0: Matt, there's tremendous news out of Software Defined Talk's headquarters. We have a major event this week. No, it's it's nothing related to the virus. It is. We need to congratulate Kote and his wife, Kim, on the birth of their baby daughter. And, yeah. yeah. So, one, everyone's doing well, so we've been told, so the Slack messages say. So, uh, here at Software Defined Talk, we offer infinite paternity leave. So, like, I don't know. We'll see Kote eventually. <laughs> he, he may... Uh, he-
1: he, he can't he can't he can't uh he can't escape the mantle of po- podcasting you know it's in his blood so he'll be back
0: yeah he did say that he, he may want to jump on just because he may feel the itch even during his uh, extended paternity leave. but of course he's,
1: he's like Kanye he's gonna grab the mic from us
0: <laughs> Michael Gote, the Kanye West of podcasting I'm sure that's what he's he's always hoped and dreamed about but as uh, as I love our listeners. So they suggested names for the new baby. So this oh. is what they were. One was, was uh, Zumas Kote. I like it. And the other one was, uh, 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 was it Tanzu or Tanzu? Tanzu Kote. Tanzu, so, that's uh, so. So I, I really familiar. thought, like, yes, appreciate I bet you, I don't think either. I know, actually, I know neither of these names were considered. So, uh, but I do think. Uh, yeah the the software defined talk slack I always on top of it you know yes. really, there's nothing there's no no question you cannot ask that will not be responded to in the software defined talk slack <laughs> in fact many questions that aren't asked are responded to and uh, yeah so, uh, so I don't know should we try to give uh, I was going about to say like do we have any advice for Kote and and uh, new parents out there I, I mean I don't uh think so.
1: you know uh. Take it easy. Um, don't don't name your children after a product. Uh, that's that's next level from you know getting a company tattooed on your skin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know because cause, you know Tanzu might have done well with focus groups, but I don't know how it works as a yeah. child's name. So yeah,
0: later on in life, you don't you don't want to be known as Zoomus. That would be yeah. That would be a very uncomfortable conversation going away. But I know yeah. you know during this time, take I- it
1: take it from my son Enron. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it's
0: uh but it brings you to uh really the most important tip is like I know you you were recounting that you have a new coworker in in your home office uh, during this period of time and and you're going through like a new uh office setup so you know why don't you tell us like it sounds like you've got a gaming chair and and which son has decided to join you uh, in in your office
1: <laughs> well he's uh, fortunately not not uh not awake yet it's, it's still nice and early here but um i you know, all three of the kids are now working from home. Or working from home. <laughs> they're not good at working. Um, they're, you know, educating from home as uh, not to be confused with homeschooling. And um, you know, so I now have an office mate. Uh, my, my son, my oldest son is, is in here a few hours a day and and part of that was like, you know, we brought down a, a dining room chair uh, for him, set up at a at a set up a desk for him. And, you know, after about two hours sitting in the chair he's like this chair sucks <laughs>
0: <laughs> in fairness so, to him that sounds like that chair would suck it sounds like yeah, a, it yeah, does not yeah. sound great
1: yeah so so i was like you know i i've been i do a lot of sitting in my job and uh so I was like you know maybe maybe I, I you know i was a little uncomfortable in my my chair and so i thought you know what i'll get him a chair and so i went to the uh office works which is you know your home office depot kind of equivalent here office max whatever you call it and uh this just in when everyone has to work from home all the cheap chairs are sold out (laughs) so go go figure right and so then um like well you know maybe i'll I'll spend a little more and i'll get myself a nice chair and i'll give him you know my chair and uh so I, i i did some some research and then I went back to the office works to order a chair and uh, the one I wanted sold out. Mm, of course. <laughs> so then I went to, to amazon.com.au, which um, unlike American Amazon, it's not very good. Uh, it's, it's still in the early grab bag stages of content, right? Where there's like, there's only two kinds of chairs or, you know, there's only like two manufacturers and everything else is from like third party and kind of sketchy. And <clears throat> so I went ahead and ordered a sketchy chair and uh uh but i got a gaming chair and my rationale was you know gamers they sit on their uh their backsides all day um they they like the neck the head sport something i go for in in a chair um i like to recline get you know the position just right and uh so you know it has all sorts of adjustments and i got the chair you know put it together and so my, my my current chair had like extra padding and I, I like jerry-rigged all this stuff and i took it off because i was going to give it to my son and then i sat and i was like this is really nice this is what i wanted all along <laughs> so my son gets the brand new chair and i'm back in my original chair minus all the the additions well we'll see how long this lasts but uh that's my my Chair tale of woe.
0: I feel like you like reprovisioned your chair. It's like we can make some kind of chef yeah. thing. It's like, oh yeah, I just I got rid of all this crap that had been building up and now I'm back to a clean chair build. That's that just still works perfectly. So that's what everyone should be doing. Is like figure out your ergonomics, reset your chair. Now's the time.
1: Yes. Yes. So uh now's the time to invest in your home office. Uh we'll we'll try to keep the uh the coronavirus content to as low as we can, but uh, pro tip you 're going to be home for a while, yeah we'll,
0: be home for a while. well in in that spirit, I was going to say I was going to have you uh, because your children are a little bit older, so with the recent events uh we 've gone ahead and like blown through other milestones, so it's like well we 'll wait to give access to certain things till my my son, who is nine gets a little bit older. But uh, recent events it's like it's time. Hey, we just now there. There's no. <laughs> there's no time like right now. So I went through, and uh, you know, in, in third grade, right? They've been setting up. We set up a document where everyone could share their various accounts. So this is what the third graders' accounts we got. I got my son. I signed him up for a Google account, which is Gmail, which actually worked out well. That Gmail family, so I can yep. still get in there. But he now has email for everyone. Zoom. Thank God for Zoom. I mean, Zoom is just a godsend, right? I mean, it's like yeah. there's now they all have Zoom accounts. They all have it on their apps, and they can easily call each other, share stuff. It's going well. Of course, if you're in third grade, a lot of them have uh, uh, the Fortnite account, so you can link that up. Uh, so we got yeah. we got that one done. That, that's um, where
1: the meetings happen, right?
0: That is. That's actually where the primary. <laughs> that's primarily where they're they're talking and and doing actually doing stuff. Um. Really, very few. Really, no one has a. None of this gr- group has a uh, a phone number. So, so I was getting all that set up. So then, um, I you know immediately wanted to instill good practices. So for my son, you know, his world is is a world of he's never had the experience of where he just picked a random password and used it on the same site a thousand times. So I immediately got him indoctrinated into LastPass. So I think so far he's taken to that very well. I think that's been a, a real solid thing. Um, so. And then my final one was I thought this would be, you know, especially important for you, Matt. Uh, When is the time to introduce GitHub into someone's life? uh, (laughs) In third grade, they're starting to do – they do Python, right? They do some Python stuff. And, like, you can do it on the website. But I'm just like, hey, you got to learn – like, just learn the text editor. It's faster, right? And I think he's fine with it. But now the other day I was talking to him. I was like, you know, it's like why don't we go ahead? Because, you know, instead of emailing this stuff around to your teacher's I think it's time. Do do we go GitHub right now? Do you think I can I can get them over the hump, or is it well, am I just really stretching it too far?
1: I, I mean, it's never too early to talk to your children about proper source control. I
0: see. I <laughs> I think so. I agree with you here. I think it's like why I'm, have them learn any other way?
1: Yes, yes, and and you know my my other children have have been burned on you know documents not being versioned. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, Word and PowerPoint, <laughs> and. Uh, but man, I don't think I don't think third grade is GitHub's target market. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I just think there's a learning curve over, you know, how you do distributed version control. Um, you know, because then they're going to have to deal with like you know pull requests from other students and you know having to learn to rebase and and merge and let alone cherry pick and you know prune branches. I mean, this is. I mean, of course... It's a new world. You know, it's time to, it's it's time a new to world.
0: learn, right? And of course, you're jumping right ahead. I mean, you're all automatically... <laughs> you're, I'm, I'm just into, you know... I was like, It's just essentially single-user single version control, right? Like, you don't really need it, but but I think it's like if you get in the habit of just doing it so later on, all the right. things you just mentioned, they won't be so foreign, right? So <sighs> I'm going to... I'm Actually, I think I'm going to give this a shot, because, but I do think the one part of it thats that, is a, that I, I'm kind of learning is like and maybe this is the better question I should have asked you, is like, when are your your children ready for the command line, right? Because, you know, of course they've been using a lot of different, you know, web browser, YouTube, I mean, children of this age – Again, probably not your kids because you're a good father, but the rest of us who just gave up—it's just like <laughs> he's had iPads, he's had everything. So, so all of that is second nature. So, so but it, but it is like sometimes when I'm showing the command line, I, you kind of see that like dazed look, like like what, like I don't like I don't even know yeah. what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah, my uh, my my oldest is more of the script kitty where mm-hmm. he'll Google for something and just paste it into a terminal for for you know results. <laughs> Uh, but my youngest, like, he kind of just, sometimes he will sit and he'll just pull up a chair, like, while I'm working and be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm looking through this, you know, this source code to find this and this and this. And he's like, well, what's that do? And then, you know, he'll, he'll follow along, but then eventually you have to get to like, well, now I need to explain what a CPU is, right? Right. (laughs) You know, I mean, not that I'm doing low level stuff, but it's just like, you know, there's a certain assumption of of you know familiarity that after a while you're like he doesn't know what i'm talking about right it's it's not like he doesn't understand virtual machines it's like he doesn't understand operating systems or you know that that kind of stuff where it's like he gets he gets you know running apps on 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 an ipad but you know as far as like multiple users and access controls and that kind of stuff like whoa that's that's some next level stuff so um it's it's fun uh but uh Oh, there's my office mate, um, but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we are.
0: Well, I think you know this is this is my call because everyone's looking for some. There's lots of content being created right now, so this is what I'm looking for. Uh, distributed source co- control for kids. You know, maybe a uh, good friend of the show, uh, Jordy. Maybe he can hook us up with uh a little bit of a GitLab, right maybe gitlab that's a market that GitLab hasn't attacked right i'd like to see that maybe uh unix for kids or li- i'm sorry linux for children you know <laughs> that would be another one uh because i just think hey the sooner we we just get to the, the good stuff like because you don't want to be stuck in the scratch editor of python it's just like oh, you, you're that, just that's... stuck in there you're like this sucks this is not good this is not fun oh. right like um it's just, I hate, I just hate it. I hate yeah, it. It's almost my... like, why learn this? I don't want to learn this garbage. Like, I'll just wait until I can learn the real thing. So, um, yeah. And I when I say yeah. that, like, I don't mean to disparage Scratch. I guess I just did there. I don't mean to disparage all the people that did work to try to make computing and uh, programming available to a wider audience. That's great. But I just think, hey, let's just quickly move the children from that to the real stuff because it's more fun for them, too, right? And yeah, yeah. It's a lot more fun. I,
1: I, I... I mean all my all my children have opinions on scratch. <laughs> <laughs> like like they've all used it, right? Uh-huh. They've all played around with it for, you know, a few days and then like you know, my daughter stayed on it the longest, but they all kind of like, well, this is nice, but I'm going to max out what I can do and I can I can see above it and past it, right? And they can see the web and they do, you know, their my my daughter's gone more into the web stuff mm-hmm. and you yeah, know but they're also like it abstracts you away that you really don't really know what you're doing it scratch is a good way to like learn the concepts of logic and flow and you know that kind of stuff and 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 what code is you know how it expresses an idea but it still really removes you from from the physical computer you know yeah. virtual computer whatever and so uh i ordered i ordered myself some uh uh raspberry pi books um Hmm. they've got uh they've got one called coding the classics i'm gonna try to go through that one with my kids or like at least either the youngest or the oldest because they they have expressed interest but the raspberry pi coding for the classics um takes like old games like pong or frogger you know some, some similar ones and you actually rewrite them and, you know, in a new language, you know, they're not like, hey, let's go back to the peek and poke of Apple basic. But, um, you know, and then you just run them on like a Raspberry Pi. And I kind of like the idea of of having my kids work on a raspberry pi because there's no distractions right Mm -hmm. it's not like oh you know this is boring i'm gonna go play you know fortnite on this thing it's like no you're not (laughs) i'll give you all the access to that thing you want right and so uh i've got those those are coming that and uh they've got like you know 101 you know raspberry pi projects. so Mm -hmm. there might be some might be some arduinos coming yeah um well, yeah, I, so the, we're... I
0: did get the I got the Raspberry Pi. I did order the book. Was it the video games, right? I have that book. I ordered that. I think on your hmm. recommendation. It's good. It's on the way. It's a little uh, I will say that was I was like, whoa, this is a little bit like we're like, whoa, this is in the deep end. But I actually at uh, my son's school, on I nobody else can see it here. The uh they got this thing called the kitten bot. So it's a little uh oh. it's a little tiny little computer that you can um essentially build little games on. So they've been doing that. So of course. It has Python, and the first thing to, to do is to, like, load the Python, if you will, runtime on it. And, of course, as soon as I do that, the, the screen's black. I can't get it to work. I can't get the computer to <laughs> come up. So it's like – so my son's, like, all excited, and uh, I got a kitten bot. He has one because I wanted to be able to be, like, just one step ahead of him. And, of course, you know, so far You're I can't her. get – any of the thing to actually load up so yeah so i mean uh here i am telling that we should drum to the the but hey this is this is computing right welcome to the computing stuff doesn't always work children right this isn't this isn't an apple iphone so i just want to throw it out if anyone works on these kitten bots and like you know they want to help me like i don't know i mean it's like i've tried many times i've flashed this bios like a thousand different ways and i'm still getting nothing
1: and 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 you know my my kids are you know they they're used to being consumers of stuff. But then when I take something like, you know, uh, you know, an old phone and, you know, install lineage on it or, you know, teach them how to like jailbreak something or, you know, how to break out of like the, the walled garden they give you, you know, I got three of them so I can, you know, keep bouncing ideas off of them. But you know, the idea that like, there's a lot more going on there than, you know, what you're fed. And if you're willing to hack on things, it's, it's kind of, uh, Opens up new frontiers. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And so you know, the, you know, now I've we've got an old Xbox 360, in my and I've got a first generation iPad. And my son's like, how come you can't get Linux on those things? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I'm like, daddy's like, trying, well, man. Well, daddy's trying. Give yeah. it time, my I friends. Mean, give it time. No, no. The the, the the sad thing is when you search for like uh, Linux iPad, you know, Gen One. The first like three or four blog posts are essentially like give up, just oh, stop. Apple, Apple never, Apple never wanted you to do this thing. You know, go get yourself a Raspberry Pi, get yourself something meant for hacking. You know, mm. this thing is is not it to is be. It is sad, so. like when
0: an iPad when it finally. Uh goes out of like the point where they won't put a new operating system on it. Cause those are like the perfect devices to like do su- oh, yeah. stuff with. Yeah. And they're off. They're often like still perfect. It's just like, they've locked it down. There's like nothing left to do with it other than yeah. recycle it. You're just like, there's, I can't do anything with
1: it. I literally thing. can't do anything with it. Like the, the SSL certs are out of date. It won't connect to the Apple store anymore. And it's, you know, pinned at iOS 5.1.1. And I can't install. I you know, the other day I was like, I wanted to install a timer on it. I don't have a clock app on it. Okay. And I was like, you know, uh, apparently not bundled in the base OS. And so I was like, let me just put a timer on it. So because uh, the, the gym I went to, he had old iPads <laughs> and, and tablets. And he just used them as, you know, big timers. Sure. And I was like, Smart. So, you know, I got the home gym running now. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to do that. I was like, nope. And so then I was like, okay, well. Uh, if you if you Google for timer or stopwatch, you know Google's landing page has one for you. Uh, the JavaScript doesn't work on the iPad. I was like, come on, you know, are <laughs> awesome. me. That's awesome. Yeah, Ugh. it's just like this thing is. It's got you know the the six or seven games that are on it. That's the only thing it, I can I can load videos on it, so it'll play videos. Uh-huh. So you know if, if you and, and it'll still load iTunes music. Okay. So you know it's not but the browser is is useless yeah. cuz you know that yeah. the, the you know the browser's dead the is dead so it's pretty much like these six games and iTunes mm-hmm. and not you know not not all content either well
0: that's <sighs> apple and that's a, the, the 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 good and bad great hardware yeah. but when they're done with it they're like you're giving us more money they, right, they, they, that's they, what yeah. it is like you will yeah. give us more money
1: well, and and yeah, they need to open that thing up so I, I, I can waste time on that instead of the other day I had a uh, an SD card fail in mm-hmm. a in a um, one of my Raspberry Pis, which led to the SSD that it was attached to it failed, okay. and so I literally wasted a whole day like debugging you know my free hardware, <laughs> <laughs> or not free hardware, but you know twenty dollar hardware. It's like hmm. Uh, I guess it's time better spent than you know debugging how to get you know Linux on an iPad.
0: (laughs) That's right. It's all about where you spend your time. All right, Matt. Well, listen. Hey, there's really I want to focus in on two topics this week because there's not like a ton of news. I mean, actually, there's a lot of news, but there's not like so much tech news. But I actually ran across two articles I thought would be be fun for us to talk about. Um, So the first was a post that was let me get this right. It's uh, a Ian Iberg. He's the CEO of Nano VMs. And so, I. So he's got an extra grind,
1: an angle. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I kind of respect someone who just comes out full blown, like, <laughs> I'm going to torch everything. Right. Because it's like, because like I feel like I have such a strong opinion. And of course, as we know, the only thing that gets attention are things that are stated, you know, um, overstated, shall we say. So he has written yes. this article. I saw it on LinkedIn. So I assume it's. Uh, I don't know. I guess be published there. And it is it is all it has all the great trappings of a very opinionated startup tech CEO. I mean, it's just I mean, it's just your classic, right? And so I thought we would go through because we, you know, we talk so much about containers. But he's putting forth uh not surprisingly, being the CEO of a company that's uh, specializing in here in uh, nano VMs. He's putting forth the idea that containers are not the future, right? And so um I think his general point is that containers don't ultimately solve the end problem. And, of course, we'll jump to the, the end here as uh, he believes that nano VMs really are the future. But I thought there were some fun things in here. I'm going to read some of these quotes yeah. and maybe you can figure it out. So for his first point was, you know, um, talking about the current – group of, let's say, I guess we'll have to say, unfortunately, the younger developers since we're older. So he kind of says here, quoting him, uh, you could have spent all your 20s only deploying containers and not knowing any other methods even exist. Case in point, the term ingress is used in the Kubernetes community as if it's sort of product category. And lo and behold, (laughs) NGINX is used as a main component. Go figure. You'll still see people asking questions like, what would you use for ingress? what they are basically asking is how how you would configure nginx as a reverse proxy i have to say yeah. i love that sentence i just think that's just awesome i don't know i think the point <laughs> there is actually pretty true it's like it's just a reverse proxy we keep using all these fancy words it doesn't really you know and i i guess i had never thought about this but i guess if you did come into computing. I think maybe the thing I should take issue is like, do you think really there are people in the 20s that have really only ever done container stuff? Like, I feel like even th- this group of people, like, I mean, that seems like a little strong. It seems like most people will have I, done something else.
1: You know, I I, I I would hope that, but I've seen the opposite, right? I've seen people who know one technology,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And, and, you know, they're like, you know, oh, I'm a DBA and all I've ever done is SQL Server right or you know oh i'm you know a java developer and you know i looked at that spring stuff but it was too aggressive and you know i doubled down on my one silo of stuff so in some of these large enterprises there are people who like for you know they're like oh yeah i've done this for 8 years and it's like so you're you know you're you're 29 and you know your first job out of college and this is all you've ever done you know, and and maybe, you know, probably while they were, you know, in, in a university or maybe they, they didn't go to university and they, they went straight in the industry. They, you know, they dabbled. But but the reality is like when all you have is a hammer, you know, everything looks like a nail. And mm-hmm. so there's there's a definitely a cohort of, of of folks like that where, you know, they just kind of go with the flow of the industry. And they're like, you know, and we're to that point now with like, you know, Git, right. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever would talk about a different source control. Right, and nobody would ever, you know. I mean, I hate to say it, like, but nobody's ever going to talk about. Maybe we should use Solaris or you know a BSD or yeah, anything. Yeah. Right? It's like, you know, you're either in the Windows or the Linux camp. Yep. And you know that that's it. So you no know, one's asking about else. like
0: SourceSafe, Visual SourceSafe. Am I the only one that really liked that? I still like SourceSafe.
1: <laughs> their, their target market is third grade, <laughs> so you might look into it. I was going um, <laughs> to say that
0: would be like locking and locking files. That was the day. Those yeah, like are the days yeah. when
1: life was simpler. So, yeah. Right, but I, I will say sober. like.
0: The point there, I think, very well stated by you. But I would maybe just add to it and say I don't think that has necessarily changed. I think you could go back to the 2000s and, like, someone had only ever written Java apps, right? They had only ever used Java Java technology. And then, you know, there's, of of course, like, back in that time period, there was kind of the .NET or the Visual Basic person. So, So there's always this point of, I mean, to his larger point. I think there are, and I think your your main point there was there's always this case of people that come out they become really good at one specific type of de- development right and they don't really know anything outside of that um and I don't I don't again like I don't think it's like fair to like pick on this generation is any different right they're just doing no, not, they're not. just doing what they're paid to do and they got familiar with so uh, but i yeah. do think that <laughs> i don't know this is the idea of the uh i don't know why the ingress and the reverse proxy i do think that is something that that does just i don't know like i think kubernetes just tries to like mystify it or make it sound so much more than what it is it's just like I don't so that part i think is i, I really absolutely. like that i mean
1: yeah um, no i mean there was there was um you know, we, we, when something kind of grabs the the you know the the mental landscape, you just stop thinking of alternatives, right? Yeah. And, and I, I kind of had this the other day where a uh, customer I'm working with they're um, they're aggressively getting rid of vendors, mm-hmm. you know, oh, um, oh. minus us. It
0: depends <laughs> on where you are in the hierarchy. Yeah, yeah,
1: it depends on you know where you are in the hierarchy. But they got rid of VMware.
0: Okay. And,
1: okay. and which is a big, that's a big move. That's a big, a big, one. Cause, that's a big yeah, one. Cause they are mostly on-prem. And, um, I was like, well, you know, what, are, you know, immediately I was like, what are you all going to Kubernetes? And he said, no, we're going with something proven. And I was like, you know, okay. Oh, yeah. you mean like yeah. OpenStack? And he's like, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> they went to proxmox. And I was okay. like, I-, I haven't heard proxmox in a, you know, in a decade. Right. <laughs> like, and what? Was like, Mm -hmm. Was a vCenter open source competitor that predates OpenStack. And you know what? It's still around and it's still kicking and it's like battle tested here and there, right? And it fits their use case exactly, right? They have like large fleets of virtual machines that are fairly homogenous, but for whatever reason, they want virtual machines, not containers. And I was just like, you know, it did not occur to me to think beyond like, well, you're either going to do OpenStack or Kubernetes right <laughs> you know it's like that, that was all that was out there you know and and so there's there's this whole ecosystem of other you know not ecosystem there's thousands of other ecosystems out there like nano vms that are probably a better solution for some of these problems but until they get you know the uh the the till they catch the zeitgeist or you know get the the mind share people aren't going to look for them first yeah, yeah. and and, and and you know i hate to jump to the end on this nano vm thing but it's like he's he's right mm-hmm. you know probably probably people using containers today uh would be better served putting their stuff in a vm mm-hmm. and a nano vm is probably a better idea because it has less attack surface it's it's you know it's it's practically mm-hmm. a unikernel.
0: all right, right? Well, let's go to a yeah. second point here that i thought was was yeah. interesting that we should like hit on it's like those that call themselves DevOps or sysadmins or SREs, if you are young and hip and have a skill set that most software engineers are for some strange reason missing, they can deploy applications to production. I was like, wow, this is like some shots fired right here. So I mean I and I again this one kind of did resonate to me. It's like, well, oh, you know sure. given all the you know, we talk about the pipeline, CI C D and all these different things, but This idea that like we sort of, I mean, I guess we would have just called them IT admins or administrators before, but this does, this idea that we've sort of reinvented that same uh, role and, you know, sort of deified it as like, oh, those are the people that do the the, the deployments, or maybe more precisely say, those are the people that set up the automation in many cases, right, to do the deployments. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that that is such a black box to most people, I was like, it feels valid. It feels like, yeah, we, we should know more about that.
1: We're back in the, the, you know, the the wall, you know, between operations and developers, yeah. right? We're, you know, developers are like, oh, you know, this DevOps thing great. Now I still don't have to know about operations. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you started with, um, you know, you started with your build pack and now you're off to, you know, oh, I just commit to GitHub and, you know, magically my stuff shows up running somewhere and, you know that's all I have to do. If I commit to this branch, it shows up over on this network. And I commit to that branch, it shows up in production. It's like, I am even more divorced from operations than ever before. All right. right? So what do you
0: think today, the perception is today. I think we go back 20 years, we'd say the developer was sort of King and the admin was more like the supporting function. You're the people that get out there, but I'm the quote unquote software developer. I write the code, right? I write the application logic, but now I feel like, I don't know, like SRE has become sort of like this, Cool. I do think his point about this cool hip title, and it's almost like, is it reversed now? Is it like, like, is it cooler to be like the SRE rather yeah, to be yeah. than like I'm just the application developer, or <laughs> so, or is it like an equal footing where everyone just makes fun of everyone else?
1: <laughs> well, so I'm gonna, I'm, you know, a long time ago, I was a developer, like pure developer, you mm-hmm. know, and I sat in my ivory tower and mm-hmm. I committed code and I never ever ever cared about how it got deployed, mm-hmm. like packaging was a different team. Right. And that is not a unique mindset, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I see it in all these enterprises that that I work with. I have, I have you know CTOs who say to me like my developers don't want to know anything. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like like straight up, if we can outsource knowing things, you know, <laughs> we will give that to you. And so I don't think developers have changed. You know, I mean the I think you know this is probably sad state of devops. Um, but like, here we are, you know, more than 10 years later from DevOps and it's still like mostly operations people going, but I think on the operation side of things, things have gotten a lot better, right? Mm-hmm. Operations has been lifted up. People recognize that there's a lot of value there and the companies that don't recognize operations, you know, they, they they fall predation to outsourcers. <laughs> um, but so, so I, I think like, I think the dev side hasn't gotten much, hasn't really move their position much but i think the operations side they are a lot you know if not equal you know they they're you know probably you know uh well thinking you know mm-hmm. uh C- cto's know that like operations is really important right. and then those people are you know i don't know if they're kingmakers but you know they're definitely uh you know, uh, I don't know your regents or something. You know, yeah. they're 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 up there in, in that hierarchy. So,
0: well, I think the other thing we can say is I I, I like what you said there. I would actually say so. Operations has sort of up leveled itself, and I think most many of the people in operations today they have learned. If not, maybe full-blown application-level coding. They know a lot more about coding than maybe they did twenty years ago. So they, so yeah. sort of like operation has, has kind of come left. You know, like they're not, they can get in some source code. They're familiar with it. They know very familiar with automation. They'll have their own essentially development environments for that. And so they are much more well-versed to like, oh, I, I, they're not afraid to like open up the build the thing and like understand what's going on. Whereas I think maybe twenty years ago it was a little bit more like, oh, I don't like, don't show me the editor. I don't, I don't like
1: write yeah, any code. Yeah. Give me my jar. Give me yeah, my water. Yeah, just give me I, the
0: thing. It's like now. I think the SRV is so so good. So I guess we should say good for the ops people for making an effort. Bad developers. <laughs> I mean, nothing's changed there. I agree with you. It's like yeah. I mean, that's I, a shame. I mean, maybe we'll just generalize a whole group of people. But like, I don't know. Still, once prima donnas, still prima donnas. You know. So I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, like,
1: yeah. You know, when when I when I had my you know, when I was interviewing for my engineering team, I would tell the story about like you know you leave that ivory tower. You move into you know I was trying to get developers into a, a partner team, and, which isn't bringing them into operations. Right. That was bringing them into the business, right? Yeah. And that's I was like, I'm gonna thing, right? yeah, that's a whole other thing. And I was like, we're gonna rip some band aids off, and you're gonna see how software actually works, and you know it has nothing to do with code. And yeah. you're like, wait, I-, I was in this ivory tower, and you know I was like, it has nothing to do with code. So yeah. maybe these nano VMs are the best thing since you know sliced bread, but um, unless you get like significant mindshare, uh, it's going to be hard to push people toward them. Cause I, I, you know, I'm, I know that I'm off in some, some weird corners of, you know, software development. Like, you know, I care about things like, you know, embedded devices, which are its own way off in the weeds kind of thing. But there's a lot of really cool stuff there that most developers and most operations people will never care about.
0: <laughs> I agree. I, I think you're right. So it's it's just like everything else. I mean, there's all these choices in life. Being an application developer, very fulfilling job. But when you leave that ivory tower, there's lots of new things to learn about packaging, deployment, business, selling, customers. Whatever support the list goes on. So, but then okay, within the same article as we're going down here, he quotes. Uh, and I love this style when you're like just throwing flames like this. You just like take tweets out of context and throw them in your article. Love this. I'm gonna start doing this. So he uh, quotes uh, Simon Wardley's tweet here. It says, uh, mm-hmm. and this is Simon. And I said, "X, you call DevOps the new legacy, but it's the future." And then this is what Simon. Or- Worley's response would be, he's like, DevOps has been poisoned by containers. The new skills in serverless combine development and finance. Containers aren't part of that. A tribal split is already happening. It just hasn't got a meme uh, flag yet. So that's interesting. So I think he, like, so Simon Worley, I think, is on the other side of this of, like, and this is being maybe the most application developer friendly. It's like, hey, all of this is going away. We're all just going to write <laughs> functions in serverless, and the whole need for containers is a waste. So I, I don't know. I mean, do, like, like is I, I again, this is like interesting, but it's like I don't know. Like, like some of the, I have the feeling of like, wake me up when we get there. Like, is the ride over? Like, if I can't really do it today, and no one's really doing it today like, is it any more than just aspirational? Uh, That's so I guess that's my whole point is like, yeah, eventually this could happen, but it hasn't happened. So like, what's the point of even talking about it?
1: (laughs) Well, there's, it's, it's never going to unify, right? Mm. That's, that's my quick takeaway. It's like, you know what? There are definitely going to be shops that go all in on serverless. And, you know, I, I think that that is a natural evolution for a lot of stuff. And, I mostly agree with the people who say like containers and Kubernetes and stuff are going to kind of fall into the background, having, you know, being somebody who lives in the background of a lot of this stuff is like, yeah, that's fine. You know, um, I I think most developers don't want to know about these things. Mm -hmm. I don't know if poisoned is the right word for containers. I think, I think it was a very good, like, uh, (sighs) repositioning of how software is done. Mm-hmm. You know, because it said like, look, you put yourself, put your stuff in this box, it can be deployed, and that's always been a goal for, you know, so many people. You know, rather than have to like, everyone have some sort of convoluted build chain or some sort of, you know, packaging model that you know has to fit things. It's like it, agreeing on a standard of containers. Um, it's really good, and I think mm-hmm. probably the the best thing that the nano VM folks can do is like. Adopt all the mainstream tools and make them graft on top all of their right, stuff. So
0: let's go to the next thing. So, this is where he really starts to attack. Okay. So now that he's made the case, the containers are evil. Like he gets into like really why um, the, the major limitation, which is basically security. So a couple of comments yeah. they made quote his quote computers and com- Kubernetes and security do not belong in the same sentence at all. That's one thing. And so his point, I guess this is what he, this is, I think a little bit of a stretch, but he says the following traditionally, Attacking one host gives you access to that host and while it might be easier to own other network addressable hosts, you aren't immediately given the keys to the entire kingdom, right? So this is just like if you compromise a computer, you you know, you still have work to do, right? Yep. So this is the part that I think I don't know, I feel like there would be a lot of people that disagree with this. They like, say this is not the case with Kubernetes. You own one host, even the most minor application and you are done. Your entire infrastructure is up for game. So do you? I mean, so what, let me just say, I just want to say back what I think he's saying there. So if I just get in one container on the on running in the Kubernetes, I can really own the entire Kubernetes, um, po, you know, cluster. Is, that, cluster. is that is that true?
1: Yeah. Uh probably sometimes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure, but I think that's unfair. Like, I think you could say. Like this would be the same. It's like sure. Just like occasionally, you can own one host in a larger network, right? And then own everything because like it's right, right. Because you can of,
1: own all the hosts that it talks. Right, to. because that's essentially what he's getting to.
0: Yeah, because of lack of um security. Like I feel like, and this is where I just I just don't know. Like I do feel like there are things that um that you can deploy, if you will. To, um, if you will, protect the other containers from this, right? So, but I oh, don't yeah. know. I mean, yeah. so I, I don't. know. So I just felt like is is this saying that like it can't be done at all, or is it like no? It requires detailed configuration as well as a lot of knowledge. Now it could be so complicated that most people don't do it. I think that's a separate argument. Uh, but I was like, I just feel like I've seen a lot of stuff about like this is how you secure the environment. But like he goes, I won't read it all here because it's like we're, we're you know, be here for seven hours reading all this. But like he goes through and makes a lot of, you know, um, claims just about like you can't make it secure, can never make it secure. It's always gonna be uh essential. And then he basically goes on and says that people don't want to talk about this because they have so much invested uh in actually the Kubernetes infrastructure. So I don't know. I felt like this was a strong claim. I didn't have like the direct, like I know this is wrong all the time, but it felt like this was this this felt a little bit of a stretch to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, saying, you know, pointing a finger at one ecosystem and saying, use my ecosystem, you know, just means that, you know, you haven't gone under the same stress that that one has. So I, I'm kind of confident that the Kubernetes ecosystem will iron out these issues. So things like escaping your container and getting to the host OS, that's the whole point of like firecracker and, you know, gvisor and stuff is like yeah they are using micro vms Mm -hmm. maybe this nano vms idea is a good idea um you know that's fine you know you don't get the whole host you you know you escape into your vm okay fine you know Mm -hmm. that's how you know eks and and you know gks and all those services work so it's like you know, everyone agreed with you. What's your point? Right.
0: Well, this is where he's going, I guess. So yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. I guess, is kind of wrapping up his point. As said. And so then he uses both uh, G-Visor and then I guess what, AWS, they just, uh, was a Bottle Rocket, right? Isn't that the yeah, one, yeah. yeah. So he basically says that the fact that Google and AWS have released these things is sort of a, a realization by them, an admission by them that containers aren't the future, right? That we should essentially run purpose-built operating systems to run these VMs because that will alleviate, the, I guess, this primary security concern. Uh, and so this idea is that like, hey, they already get it and they're already going to do this. Um, and so I don't know, again, like I think GVisor, though, right, was sort of uh, at least my understanding of the value proposition was to basically help run Kubernetes as well, wasn't it? Like mm-hmm. I thought that yeah. was like another way to protect it. So so I guess getting to this, I guess this, my, my question is, like, let's just say for this, the moment that he's like, yeah, All right, we're totally bought in on the micro VMs. Okay. But then my question is like, well, how do we manage all these micro VMs? Right? Like, are we, aren't we like back to this? Like, aren't we then back to like, is this like a vCenter or like a micro VM uh, vCenter thing? Like, I mean, don't we just still have that?
1: Yeah. And and to me, that's like, that's just going to get rolled into Kubernetes, right? Where, you know, they'll get stronger security inside your kubernetes cluster you'll lose a little bit of performance by switching to you know away from pure containers to you know vm isolated containers but it's like people are not going to throw away this ecosystem of tools because you know in my mind like the bigger attack surface is the fact that like you know all these things holding them together if you can get to those i'm not if if you can get to like a bad application you know, mm-hmm. it's it's like the applications are probably a bigger attack surface. You know, you find some exploit in Nginx and you just owned all of Kubernetes, and that right. has nothing to do with the Ems, right? right? Um, or you know, if you know, if you find something in Istio and our Envoy or something like that, it's like you're now into you know, large swaths of this Kubernetes ecosystem. I don't think, you know, I mean, I guess the fact that everybody gets a container mm-hmm. and you could deliver an exploit into a container, I guess that's where he's trying to get at, but.
0: But even though okay, – because he, he makes the point, right? I think he says something along the lines like, if micro VMs are the future, then the whole experiment with containers was a failure. And I would say that does not seem to be because I think the part like, – and this uh, – granted, I am not an expert on nano and micro VMs, right, as I sit here and read this article. But I still think uh, this idea of, like, orchestrating the VMs, right, you know, figuring out the traffic, like, like, you know, to your point about – you know, I don't know, there's probably some, there's probably some CNCF project already, but like, if you could, if you will manage micro VMs within Kubernetes, it would all, you know what I mean? You'd have both, you'd have all the management and then you just have your unit of compute being this micro VM and you take away the various things that he said. So I don't know, I don't know why he's saying like, it's a failure unless someone's telling me like, there is this robust management orchestration framework for micro VMs. Like, like, what is that? Like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, have I not seen I, that? Have I, I missed the blog post? Like, what's going on? Um, it's Proxmox. <laughs> no. yeah, so I don't know. Uh, maybe it
1: is. Like, I don't know where it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that that that's the kind of thing. It's like, if I'm if I'm a, like a Kubernetes product manager, it's like, I read this, I'm like, all right, I'll put that on the backlog. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. Well, the other thing he says is like, hey, one of the main benefits of I guess the Nano VMs that he has is that uh, you know, interactive remote login. GTFO. I won't say that out loud, just because of the kids there. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I just made a note here. Hey, that's really stepping in. No SSH. JJ's territory. That's 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 his block. Don't like. Don't come in here acting like you're the first one to talk about. It. Don't log <laughs> in. That's not I new. Mean, like, that, I, I, hey, that, that's hey. that's
1: old school. That's devos, old school. Right? You that, gotta
0: like. Re- you gotta cite that. That's like a sample out of a music. Like you need to cite. That yeah. that is not new thinking.
1: So I, Jeff, I Jeff people were saying that in 2012. Yeah, let's Come just on.
0: let's just represent. Let's just you know know your elders a little bit. Like, how about a footnote, <laughs> something like that in here? I do not like that. So so he goes on to talk about that. Um, and so like he leaves his kicker. His final statement is: uh, You will eventually need to migrate completely off of containers and Kubernetes, and we are here to help. We believe that micro VMs, particularly in the more precise form of unikernels are going to become a dominant server pl- pattern for the future. So
1: dominant is the thing I have issue with. Yeah,
0: dominant <laughs> is the thing. Well I think but I think we would come back to this. It's like, let's just say for the moment that um my, that running a container and running uh, a a unikernel or a micro VM, let's just say like it was the same amount Um, there was no performance difference, right? Like containers are just as good as VMs, right? Let's just wave the wand and say that's fine. It's like, I think everyone would agree. We'd say like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Then let's use micro VMs. And I do think the ecosystem here would just say like, okay, now we need to start orchestrating micro VMs or or that was That's just the natural end of this. It's not like, I don't think we're throwing anything else. We're just going to replace it and say, we don't the the benefits of containers are gone the fact that we could do this shared operating system thing and make it a little bit simpler we don't need that anymore we'll just use these vms so that, we're going to use the yeah. same infrastructure right
1: i mean that that's that's one of the things like you know talking about habitat is like i always drill on people like we're not here to compete with docker we're here to make better containers and when i say better containers i'm like the the docker image we use is is busybox it has you know the busybox binary and that's it you know running on top of a linux kernel and we're trying to get people like you know the next step is you just get rid of the user land completely and if we can do that we're on a unikernel right. and you know that's all you want is your application running in the least you know the least privileged thing is that a unikernel a nano vm whatever whatever exactly right? all right well, but, well, but you know said... it isn't it isn't a full-blown <laughs> os inside a container
0: there you go and, now that is yes we could all agree on that so all right so i just want to like shout out to ian einberg I actually enjoyed this article quite a bit. I, I like did it. Too. Yeah. I like when people just throw stuff out. It actually made me think about a lot of these things. So, so good. So you can go check him out at NanoVMs or you can read I'll put a link to the this entire article and you can read it and decide for yourself whether or not unikernels are the future. All right. Well, the other thing that I thought we could talk about uh, Matt and I will say you put this in here. This is <laughs> I'm just going to warn everyone. The name of this post is Observations on ARM64 versus AWS. Amazon EC2 M6J instances. All right, so this this is the deep end. Like this is Matt Ray level post here. So like do like I read this thing, and like it took a little bit of time to consume what the hell was going on here. But I did like it. I think you and I both are fascinated with the impending move to ARM. Seems like the industry whether it's Apple going to put yeah. their uh, their new uh, notebooks, uh, eventually are going to move over. But the server side, we probably don't talk about it quite as much. Clearly moving to ARM. So the, the net net of this Clearly. was... Sorry. Um,
1: sorry, sorry Intel and, and AMD. Well,
0: Clearly. it is. I thought like... Um,
1: Cal- Calzada is going to rise from the grave and take over. But they
0: did, like I have to say here, they they, they did use Chef. I, I think they, they found some limitations of Chef here. I, I, so maybe, maybe we should start there. The fact that I guess they had to uh, recompile. What was it they had to do? Recompile Chef um for arm what, what was well uh, the, the, so, so I, I should mean, give you equal time what was what what did uh, they really need to do here
1: um well the the point was like uh honeycomb um is using an uh unsupported old version of chef mm-hmm. that's what it is okay. and so rather than upgrade the version of chef uh to a new one which uh does support arm 64 uh they like had to go back and <clears throat> rebuild something from 2015 Okay, and, so that's uh, it. So we should clarify. In
0: the yeah. article, it says that the, the point was they had to recompile both for AMD sixty four and ARM sixty four. So you're saying the new, the current version of Chef does support that? Oh yeah, yeah, that.
1: yeah. All right. Yeah. So. I, and and you know, I, I I have to caveat that I'm the maintainer of the thirty two bit support of ARM. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It is officially unsupported. So uh, if you have complaints about your Raspberry Pi's running Chef, I'm your man. But when it comes to like uh, you know. Um, Ubuntu and CentOS on 64-bit Arch ARM, you know that's supported. All right,
0: but the net net is they got it working. They got Chef working. They didn't pay you any money, so sorry for you. But they did get it working. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. they, yeah. Uh, I think the part that was really interesting is so they bas- basically, again. Gory detail in the post, but the net net was <laughs> they ran some of their internal dog fooding, uh as I understand it, dog fooding, kibble. uh kibble, yeah, they, they it, it just, kibble. Yeah, it just—I don't know. I was a little bit on the metaphor. I was like, I was just getting a little frustrated, but whatever. They ran their kibble dog fooding dog fooding app or part of it on there on both on both the the traditional, uh, I guess, Intel CPUs as as well as the new, I guess, is it the Graviton two? And so yeah. what they saw here was a forty percent. Uh, if you will. let see. Savings 40% on the EC2 instance bill for this service uh, once we're able to fully convert our instances to Graviton2 is well worth the investment. So net-net, if, if they took all... That's what they basically said. If they took all of their instances and made them, um, you know, the Graviton2 instead of the M6G, which is, I don't know, just a complicated way of saying the Intel, um, the traditional Intel workloads, they would save up to f- uh, 40%, which I got to say was like pretty shocking, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And of course, you know, the the net net of this is, I guess the reason I I like it, I don't know, get your thoughts in a second here, was that like, Way back in the day when I was learning, like the architecture and instruction sets, like we learned on the Motorola 68000, which was a risk, oh, yeah, right, exactly. You yeah. have some happy before because it was risk-based instruction set, and it was actually there weren't that many instructions. Not surprisingly, it was very easy to learn, and you could you know basically write your assembly language like pretty easily. It was actually quite fun, especially if you're into yep. uh, learning about computers. And then of course, someone showed you the Intel uh, instruction set, and you're like, I just I don't want to do that. Like I can I we move <laughs> I on? Like, got time I'm, for that, yeah. I'm done. I'm I'm done with this part of my learning uh so it's interesting that it's like wrapped around and now we're back and that's what's shocking to me i guess is like and i don't know i mean it doesn't sound like there was any special optimization here it's just that the the arm instruction set was so much uh better performing on this new hardware so i don't know so clearly the future is arm
1: uh just like the future is nano um no the uh the the uh Arm processors, you know, they, they've had a, a long march towards you know the 64-bit server-class stuff, and uh, you know maybe this is the triumph of open source. Yeah, you know, the the Arm cores are uh, they're not completely open source, but they, they license them out to different manufacturers who share their IP back, and then that becomes the next generation. And so, over these year, years, you've been having you know uh, AMD, Intel um have even dabbled in the the ARM space, but you know, Apple and and uh Broadcom and you know Cavium and all these other vendors of phone chips have been putting all this stuff in and purportedly like the new iPhone can you know will will probably smoke like the latest AMD chips and the latest Intel chips if they were you know pulled out of them and put into hardware. And so now with the Graviton 2, we're seeing Hey, this is, this is that happening. And so there were articles in like a non and, you know, a couple other places that had benchmarks because everybody loves a benchmark. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, the, the Intel, the top of the line, Intel, uh, Xeons and top of the line, uh, AMD epic thread rippers or whatever they call them. Um, they were still winning most things, but it was close. And then when, you know, the, the key though was it was close. Oh yeah these are 40% cheaper. Yeah, exactly. That right. Is, yeah. And, you know, and, and if you were running, you know, your own data center, they'd be using, you know, 40% less power yeah. or, you know, 80% less power. And that is where, you know, these economies of scale for the hyperscalers really kick in. Is like, Hey, you know, our biggest cost is not these CPUs. It's the power and, you know, the power to cool them, the power to you know, power them. Um, and so if, if, if you can run your workloads on these sixty-four bit ARM processors, you're going to have, you know, a cheaper a cheaper bill with equal or similar performance, right? And you know, because it's equal or similar performance, you could run more of it if you need to for the same dollar. And you know, that's that there's a lot of value in, in these ARM processors. And so um that's that's the big takeaway for for Honeycomb is like you know, they were able to move all their stuff it was mostly go apps they talked about you know recompiling and and go has always been first class on arm so you know it's not like it's not hard to to get you know your go apps running on 64 bit arm um, i have to keep saying 64 bit cuz oh, the things i've seen in 32 bit land um, but but you know so arm is going to be a first class very viable c- competitor for a lot of workloads especially with this new graviton processor and i expect Probably within the next year, you know, uh, Google and and Azure, you know, they'll ramp up their ARM offerings because I I I you know I'd be willing to bet good money that Apple is going to see a big surge in people doing this. Yeah. Um, if you're running a lot of VMs, it's just it's really cost effective. I mean, yeah, no.
0: I was going to say, yeah. I mean, I think the clear, I mean, I think we could fire up a little innovator's dilemma. I think you're kind of watching it happen here, right? You know, the Intel and the Intel attraction set has been so successful for a long time. And, of course, ARM is sort of relegated to, like, these low-end, you know, not going to work. And now you're, they're seeing it, I think, on all fronts. It's like ARM is the dominant for all mobile phones. I think it's clear uh Apple's going to make its move, and then, um, you know, you're going to see some people make the move on the server side. So, yeah. all right. All right. Well, listen, we've solved all the problems, guys. you With ARM chips, did, uh, take no more. But, uh, <laughs> so I just wanted to hit on one quick thing. Like we, had, uh, we actually got some good feedback on uh, the last episode about Terraform. So people, uh, I think, uh, felt like maybe my, I'm going to put myself in Cote. Maybe we, maybe we made it too simple or we didn't uh, explain exactly what Terraform does. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read real quick. Like here's some quick feedback from someone that says, this is what they want you to know. This is what Terraform does. I quote, basically, every component of the software defined data center can be provisioned and deprovisioned with Terraform. The closest parallel to Terraform in A- is AWS Cloud Formations, with the biggest differentiator being that Cloud Formation only works on AWS, whereas Terraform can be used to provision resources on pretty much all cloud pro- for- providers. So, if we did not get that right, I apologize. Uh, you know, I think Matt Ray, we probably cut Matt Ray off and he was trying to explain it to us correctly, but I'll tell you this. So, uh, if you want to know more about this or if somebody out there wants to come on and just wants to geek out and talk about Terraform, you know, at find us in Slack, we'll actually maybe come on, we'll do like an interview episode or something. We'll just go deep. We'll go deep into like making sure that we, we fully explain this because we don't, because if anything, we never want to be caught off, uh, uh, being incorrect on this podcast, probably the first time ever it's happened. So you can always come on and correct us.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're and and not just Terraform. If you want to talk about you know other HashiCore products or you know <laughs> your nano VMs or uh your y, NGINX you know why X is the bee's knees, yeah, we'd be happy to geek out on on something, but uh we'll probably still ask you about Costco. So, <laughs> right,
0: <you're> about. <laughs> and I want to thank Tom Hall for uh sending that in. I that was sent in via the SDT Slack. So, all right, listen. Conferences, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know what's going on in conferences. <laughs> not going to be any O'Reilly <laughs> so, conferences. So, there's not going to be any O'Reilly conferences. I don't know if any conferences are going to come up. But, in lieu of conferences, I figured like, people have been sending us videos, like stuff that's good. So, I want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Track.js. They have a video out about Request Metrics, which is a uh, web performance tool that records how fast your production page and API endpoints are uh, from your user's perspective. So, if you're interested in learning about uh, Tr- Track.js or the Request, Metrics or what they're building, go watch their video. So that was a really good video. And then Matt, you got a video in here. What what's this video? They should go watch.
1: Uh, it was just my my Hashi talks talk, uh, Chef and uh, Terraform better together. Yeah, so
0: there you go. So I was gonna say, if you really want to know <laughs> what's going on, go go watch all of Matt Ray's talk. don't hey, uh, I, don't, don't make me uh, try to explain it at all.
1: Yeah, there, there's a lot going on, but uh, I think I got a handle on how Terraform. Is. All right.
0: And then, uh, real quick, uh, we can, luckily in today's world, we can still send you stickers. So if you would like any stickers, just send me your postal address at stickers.softwaredefinedtalk.com. Happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. Of course, follow us on all the uh, the social apps, buy Cote's book, all these, these other things. With that, let's move to recommendations. <laughs> Matt Ray, as I see it pop up on the screen, tell me about your recommendation.
1: Uh, well, um, you know, a- every episode I'm probably going to recommend the same thing. Uh, the self-control app. Uh, I read a little Twitter in the morning and then I block it for the whole day so I can actually try to get something done. Man. <laughs> um, I'm I feel feeling anxious can't... just
0: hearing that. I feel like I'm missing out uh, right now. Oh geez. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I know. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, one of the things I kind of do sometimes is I, as I put on like uh movies or things that I've, I've seen in the background and uh, I restarted watching Generation Kill, um, the uh, uh, Dan Simon, David Simon, David Simon, mm-hmm. um, David Simon HBO, uh, uh, HBO miniseries, yeah. uh, not a documentary. Not do- I'm sorry, not a documentary,
0: uh, right, series. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, series from uh, 2007 about uh, the Marine Expeditionary Forces in uh, the the Gulf War. Um it's still really good. It's uh free on Amazon prime streaming. So, uh, that's, that's what I, what I'm watching in the background. And then, uh, I've just been listening to a, a boatload of reggae. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's been, uh, my go-to the last week is, uh, you know, not just, uh, <laughs> not just, you know, your uh, uh, Bob Marley, but, uh, you know, a lot of Lee Perry, uh, Peter Tosh, you know, Toots and the Maytals, you know, so still some of the big names, but, um, trying to get into to a lot more of that just it's it's nice to have in the background
0: yeah a little reggae that seems like the right the right mood the right mood about now all right well generation kill highly recommended as well i've not seen it in a long time but uh there's some great stuff
1: still there uh, so good
0: all right well we're almost out of time because the base lesson has started at my house so we're gonna do one more <laughs> recommendation real quick it's the rewatchables uh, it's a podcast, uh, from the ringer network. That's bill Simmons network. And what they do is they take movies and they sort of just kind of old thems are slightly older that they really liked. And they kind of review like what was good, what was bad and stuff like that. So I've been really searching for just like some different kind of content that doesn't, it's kind of greenfield that doesn't maybe talk so much about current events. Cause I'm just a little burnt out. So I've enjoyed it. I listened to one on Forrest Gump. They explained the beginning and ending of Forrest Gump completely recontextualizes the whole movie. I had no idea completely missed all all the little things that went on there. So that was really good. I listened to that one. And then The Edge of Tomorrow, which is like the Tom Cruise movie where like he keeps dying. Uh, sorry, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it still. Watch it. It's good. Um, <laughs> they figured that out pretty
1: fast. Yeah, that's
0: not really ruin it. But they go through that one um, and again, explain, pick out some stuff that they liked and, and pointed out a bunch of stuff that I had never thought about the movies and uh, things like that. So it's, it, was, it was just interesting. So I don't know. I just like looking for fun stuff to listen to, to like maybe take your mind off of... Uh, some of the stuff that's going there. So I would check out um, the rewatchables if you want something fun to listen to. And it's easy too because they're all pretty much Greenfield. You can scan through it and just find the movies that are, you're interested in and download those episodes. So just it's just there for you. So check that out. All right. Well, we're out of time. And so we really appreciate you guys listen, listening and we will talk to you next time.
1: Bye-bye.